The chairman of Tesco has stepped down after a big fall in profits. BBC News. With Alan Smith. Now here at the BBC, we've undergone countless management initiatives and spent thousands of pounds challenging stereotyping both on air and in the workplace. Then along comes a bloke called Finnimore to tell us that stereotyping can have its positive side and apparently he's got licence to peddle this belief after a word from one of our female panel game hosts. I think the difference between the news quiz and uh, you know, other quizzes of a similar nature is that uh, it's very low on testosterone. We don't care who wins. Here's a strange thing. When my grandfather died, the exact moment he died, a huge portrait of him fell off the wall. Hit him on the head, killed him. <laughs> What would Jeremy Hardy think if I said he was low on testosterone? I think he wouldn't be surprised I said it. Sometimes it's more like panto. (laughs) Join me, Sandy Toxvig, for the return of the News Quiz tomorrow evening at half past six on BBC Radio 4. This is John Finnemore's Souvenir Programme. Uh, Bridge. Carter, this is Captain Ramsey. We picked up a hurricane warning in the Gulf of Mexico. Voyage postponed, return to port. Alter course 180 degrees, steady to new heading nor nor-east. Aye, aye, sir. Uh, bridge. Did you not hear me, man? Uh, sir, yes, sir. Well, do it then. Alter course 180 degrees. Uh, I have, sir. You have not. You take me for a fool. We're still heading southwest. Uh, well, yes, sir, but, um, you know, with, with an oil tanker of this size, sir... It's like trying to restructure a large and bureaucratic institution. It's like what? Uh, say, say the NHS, for example, sir. I've adjusted our heading, sir, which is like installing a new executive board with a fresh ethos, but um, the vessel will need time to adjust its direction, sir, like, um, like individual hospital managers and medical practitioners adapting to the board's new priorities, sir. Jabbering about the NHS for? I just want you to turn this tanker around. Yes, I, I understand that, and I, I am doing, but um, we'll put it another way. Um, it's like China cautiously adopting a more open relationship with the West, sir. Like China? Yeah, yes, sir. The new heading is like an encouraging international summit, sir, but uh, the tanker is like decades, if not centuries, of ingrained mistrust. What? Uh, think of me, sir, as a dynamic new head teacher, and the tanker as a failing school. Now, Carter, need I remind you, I have been captain of this vessel for 17 years. Now, what the hell are you playing at? Oh, well, it's just it's a really lovely sunset, sir. Can't we have five more minutes? No. Turn her around this second. Uh, aye, aye, sir. On you heading your noise, sir. That's more like it. <laughs> So, uh, Rachel, Al here says you're, uh, you're waitressing, yeah? That's right, yeah. Oh, I was in catering myself back in the day. Well, where are you working? Are you local? Uh, yeah, the Boar's Head on Russell Street. Oh, yeah, 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 I know the Boar's Head. Uh, who's running that now, then? Is it still old uh, Jamie Palmer, is it? I don't think so. No, my boss is Mrs Patel. Oh, right. Yeah, Mrs Patel, is it? Grandad. <laughs> I'll tell you something about Indians, right? No, Grandad, don't. <laughs> No, seriously, seriously, the thing about your Indians, right? No, seriously, I'm sorry, Rachel, he's a different generation. It's OK, I don't mind. There you go, I should don't mind. No, she's being polite, Grandad, you can't talk about people like this anymore. Well, of course you can. Look, I've seen them all in the catering trade, I've worked with them all. I have blacks, Irish, Chinese, got to know more. Thing is, with your Indians... I'm really sorry about this. At the end of the day, right, Rachel, when you shake hands with an Indian, that is 
gospel. That's bonded. See you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, but, but what are you saying, though? I'm just saying they're men of their word. Never been rooked by an Indian. Very trustworthy people. Right, OK, that's still... You should. Of course, Turk, very different... Uh, no, don't. <laughs> the Turk, right, is all about no, one please, thing. Please, all comes down to one thing with your Turk. Family. <laughs> very family-centred people. Yet, at the same time, very hospitable. Can't do enough for you, your Turk. Got a lot of time for them. <laughs> now you're Jew. No, Grandad, seriously... <laughs> Do the Jews. The thing I've noticed with the Jews. You know Rachel's Jewish, don't you? Oh, is she? Oh, you'll bear me out on this one then, Rachel. <laughs> the thing with your lot is they're, they're very clever, the Jewish, aren't they? They're very, uh, oh, what's the word? Very, very clever people. Oh, what? You mean cunning? Cunning? I don't know. They're definitely clever. Yeah, but that's code, isn't it? For sneaky and conniving. No, no one's so. No, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Well, no, no I'm not saying it. Well, you did say it. No, you were saying no, it. Not me, son. I just think they're intellectually very sharp. Right, well, look, look it's still racist to say that. <laughs> See, how'd you make that out? You can't make generalisations like that. Not all Jewish people are clever. Some of them are stupid. <laughs> well, hang about a minute ago, you were saying they was cunning. No, I wasn't. And now they're stupid. Oh, you've really got your knife out for them, mate. No, 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 I'm just oh, Watch out for this one, right? Seems like a bit of an anti oh, come on. <laughs> Now, the Belgians, though. <laughs> I'll tell you something about the Belgians. What? Go on, then, what? They're the scum of the earth. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, yes saying, obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there now follows an open letter to the people of Belgium. <laughs> I mean, we're joking! <laughs> Obviously we're joking, come on, you know that, you lovely Belgians. You're not the scum of the earth, nobody thinks that. I mean, in a way, it's a compliment that we picked Belgium for the joke. It wouldn't have worked if we'd said uh, Saudi Arabia, because it doesn't matter why it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> the point is, you guys, you Belgies, you're great. We are, we are all big Belgium fans. I'll tell you what, we'll make it up to you. We'll say two nice things about Belgium in the rest of the show. Okay? Okay. Love you. Good evening, sir. How can I help you? Hello. Uh, I have a reservation for tonight. Yeah, that's no problem at all, sir. Just bear with me. What's the name? It's Bell. Uh, perfect. Is that B-E-L-L? Yes. Well, that's no problem. Good. How long are you with us? Uh, one night. Perfect. How many people in the room? Two. That's not a problem. Uh, bear with me. You'll be in room 202. Will you be needing a wake-up call at all? Uh, no, thank you. Perfect. Would you like a newspaper at all? No. No problem. Would you be joining us for breakfast at all? Uh, yes. Perfect. Will you be wanting cooked or continental at all? Uh, uh, do I have to decide now? Not at all, sir. That's not a problem. Just let the waiter know when you arrive and he or she will bring it to you. Yes, I, I thought that's probably what would happen. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, uh, Just bear with me, sir. Will uh -huh. you be using the Wi-Fi at all? Uh, no. Perfect. Will you be using the bath at all? I, I, I might. Why? Is there a problem? No, sir, it is not a problem. Not a problem at all. Well, then why Are you smoking you... or non-smoking at all? What? Are you smoking or non-smoking at all? Am I smoking or non-smoking? At all. <laughs> I don't smoke. That's not a problem. I know! <laughs> Sorry, sir. Of, co of course it's not a problem. Under what circumstances would it be a problem that I don't smoke? It isn't. It's not a problem. <laughs> Good. 
Now, if that's Just all... Just bear with I, me, sir. Car no. registration. I came by train. No problem at all. Married or unmarried? Uh, married. Perfect. Happily or unhappily? What? Uh, <laughs> happily, why? No problem. First or second marriage? Why are you asking me this? Oh, it's not a problem, sir. It's just one of the questions I'm asking you. <laughs> First or second marriage? First. Perfect. And your wife? Married or unmarried? Well, married, obviously. <laughs> happily or unhappily? Uh, no, no, no. Hang on. What? I can wait while you ask a so I'll just leave it blank for now. Leave it blank? Not a problem at all. Thank you. Now, can I bear please? with me, sir? Oh, you hear the business or pleasure, sir? Oh, for... oh, what's it got to do with if you? If you can just bear with me, sir. I won't bear with you. Unfortunately, you do have to bear with me. I'm sorry? <laughs> Not a problem at all, sir. Business or pleasure? Uh, pleasure, I suppose. I'm here for a wedding. Perfect. Out of choice or duty? What? Choice or duty, sir? Choice? Oh, all right, it's my nephew's wedding. Not a problem. Will that be a traditional wedding or a gay one? Uh, well, as it happens, it's a gay wedding. Why, is that a problem? Not a problem at all, sir. No. <laughs> How long will it be lasting? Uh, I don't know, three or four hours. Uh, uh, no, so the marriage, how long will that be lasting? <laughs> Oh, well, simply we can pencil you in to stay in the same room for silver, ruby or diamond wedding anniversary celebrations. No. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, sir. Still, I'm sure they'll enjoy the day. Now, can I please go to my room? Absolutely, sir. Not a problem at all. Thank you. Just to recap. Oh! That's room 202 for one night, two people, no paper, no wake-up call, using the bath, no smoking, no Wi-Fi, and that's for you, Mr. Bell, B-E-L-L, happily married to your first wife, here on pleasure, out of choice, to celebrate your nephew's short-lived gay marriage. And you're leaving it to tomorrow to decide if you want the cooked or continental breakfast and whether your wife is unhappily or happily married. <laughs> Fine. Good. Perfect. Do you have any questions for me, sir? Mm. Oh, actually, yes. Is there a pool here? No, no. Work it out for yourself. <laughs> you never actually own one of our watches. You merely look after it for the next generation. So, really, I... Don't know why we bother to advertise them. <laughs> because presumably you either already had the one your father left you, or you're patiently waiting for him to die. <laughs> oh, unless, ghastly thought, your father doesn't have one. I've heard there are such people. <laughs> Possibly he's a hopeless drunkard. And he sold the one his father gave him to buy gin. <gasps> or perhaps he never even had one. Perhaps he was a costermonger or something. <laughs> oh, the shame of it. Whatever can you do, you appalling little counterjumper? <laughs> well, I suppose you could buy one of our watches. <laughs> I know, unspeakably vulgar, but what choice do you have? And then, with a bit of luck... Everyone will assume you've inherited it, like a proper person. <laughs> oh, yes. And I suppose your kid can have it once you're dead. As if that's a reason anyone ever bought a watch. Quasimodo! Quasimodo! Are you still here, old friend? Who calls for me? It is I, Quasimodo! Victor! No! By the sense, Monsieur Ujo! Oh. oh, my old friend and benefactor! How good to see you after so many years! Too many! I feared you would not still be living at the cathedral! Oh, I shall not soon leave Notre Dame! But tell me of your news! Do you still write those magnificent tales? I do, Quasimodo, indeed. In fact, I have just published my latest novel. Oh, wonderful. I hope you will find it. Quasimodo, it is your own story. My story? I, I don't understand. You are the hero of my new novel, old friend. I am overcome. Such an honor. <laughs> I should say I have you die at the end. I hope you don't mind. 
naturally. How else is the French novel going to end? But, how can I thank you, myself, a humble bell ringer, to be immortalized by the greatest writer in all France, ah. in all the world? Ah, well, not all the world. There are some very exciting new novelists coming out of Belgium at the moment. <laughs> well, uh, that's true. Belgium is a hotbed of culture, but... But even so, monsieur, you have made me the happiest man in Paris. The pleasure is all mine. And see... I have brought you a copy as a gift. Oh. The very first edition of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The what? <laughs> the Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's what you've called it? Yes. I have a name. I have a really memorable name. Oh, yes, of course, but... But what? You know, the cathedral. You see, she is a character in the novel as well. It is only right that the title contain her name. Well, then what about of Notre Dame. Did that ever cross your mind or did you just leap straight for Hunchback? Oh, but my friend, you do have... I know I do! So what? You don't have to call me by it. I'm not defined by my disability. But the image, it is so romantic. It's not romantic. It's rude. It's just rude. I don't call you the big-nosed novelist of a Notre Dame. In a work of fiction. Yeah, Shakespeare didn't call his play the hunchback of the Tower of London, did he? He called it Richard III because that was the name of the man. But Richard was a king. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Only the nobility get names. What about Long John Silver? He was a common pirate, but Stevenson didn't call his book Stumpy Jack the One-Legged Sailor. <laughs> No, no, it did not, because Treasure Island will not be written for another 50 years. <laughs> oh, no, 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 don't think you can get out of this by going on a meta. Actually, that is exactly how I can get out of it, because, in fact, the Hunchback of Notre Dame is only the English title, and I called my book Notre Dame du Paris. Oh, yeah, and you didn't base it on a real person either. So who the hell do you think you're talking to? I go, where's he gone? <laughs> where's who gone? I thought I was... Why am I in the cathedral, anyway? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I remember. Notre Dame. Oui? I've written a book and named it after you. Oh, merci beaucoup. Do ya? <laughs> okay, uh, well, Mr. Richards, we've had a good look at the growth on Rusty's back leg, and there's good news and bad news. The bad news is that it is a tumour, and it is malignant. Oh, no. But uh, the good news is, though, that we've caught it very early and there's no sign of it having spread. Also, Rusty's a relatively young and healthy dog, so what I would suggest, and of course it's up to you, but if he were my dog, I think what I would do is amputate the leg. Really? I know, it sounds bad, but dogs get on very well with three legs and there's no reason why he shouldn't go on to live a long and healthy life. Oh. Oh. Oh, I've been asleep too, too long, too, too much. I wait. This isn't home. Where am I? Where am I? I've been here before. I've woken up here before, long time ago. Not much more than a puppy. I, I woke up here and oh no, it's the place they took 
don't tell me they've come back for the... No, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's still there. Oh, oh thank God. Oh, thank God. All right. Calm down, Rusty. Keep it together. You can get through this, okay. All right, all you need to do is, is get up, sniff around a bit, see if you can find out what... <laughs> oh, you are kidding me. Well, since you ask me for a tale of the mysterious trapdoor, I believe I have something that caters to your oddly specific taste. <laughs> it all began when I was taking a bicycling holiday in the Low Countries, in which category I include France. <laughs> but not Belgium. My first couple of days riding went tolerably well, but I discovered that I was aching rather in my legs, my feet, and another part of me, which I'd never noticed before, and for which I do not know the technical name. But it's sort of round the back, at the top of the legs, and it really hates cycling. Accordingly, I took my machine to a local workshop and had it refitted. They put on a more comfortable seat, rigged up a makeshift cover to protect me from the elements, put on another couple of wheels for stability, and added an engine. <laughs> These slight modifications having been made, I was able to cycle in some comfort two or three hundred miles a day. <laughs> at the end of one such ride, I decided to put up at a rural wayside inn, and the genial landlord showed me to my room. We are certain it has every modern facility. A trouser press, a queen-sized bed, a king-sized twigs, an emperor penguin. <laughs> there is only one thing. I must ask of you if you take this room tonight, sir. Yes? You may notice in the center of the floor a mysterious trap door. Oh, yes. I must ask you, sir, whatever you do, not to open the mysterious trapdoor during your stay. Can you make me this promise? Of course, if you wish it. But what is behind this trapdoor? You make it sound almost mysterious. <laughs> oh, nothing. Uh, nothing special. Just dust and cobwebs and, you know, all that super boring trapdoor stuff. But don't open it. <laughs> all right. That night. I found my attention oddly drawn to that mysterious trapdoor. <laughs> there was nothing out of the common way about it. What possible harm could there be in taking one quick look? But then I had promised my host I would not, so I didn't. <laughs> the next morning, when I came down to breakfast, my host seemed oddly surprised to see me. Sir, you are still here. Well, of course. I thought you might have gone. What? Before breakfast? Um, no. You did say breakfast was included? Uh, yes, absolutely. We always give our guests breakfast in the morning because they are always still here. <laughs> that evening, as I was making my way up to my room, my host's wife waylaid me. Excuse me, sir, but didn't my husband tell you about the trapdoor? Yes, yes, he told me about the trapdoor, not to open it. Yes. Uh, that's right, you must definitely not open it. But did he tell you why not? No, he just said there was nothing interesting underneath. Oh, such lies, he tells. He's trying to stop you opening it. But in truth, sir, there is something underneath it. Something wonderful, something incredible. The most extraordinary and life-enhancing thing you could ever see. Well, then I'm sorry to miss it. <laughs> Are you sure I can't uh, open the trapdoor and have a look? 
Yes. Don't open the trap door. Even though it would be absolutely amazing if you did. So I didn't. <laughs> the next morning, they were both waiting outside for me. Good morning, sir. Did you sleep well? Very well, thank you. No bad dreams? No being kept awake by your insatiable curiosity? No, nothing like that, no. I slept like a big, incurious log. <laughs> the third night, at three o'clock in the morning, I was awoken by a voice from beneath the trap door. Hello? <laughs> Who's there? Um, well, doesn't matter. It's just... We haven't eaten anything for three days. We're really, really petty. Yeah, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. Uh, how many of you are there down there? Uh, I don't know. I'll do a head count. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. There's four of us! No, no, no. You counted two of my heads twice. Oh, yeah, sorry, it's three of us. But like we mentioned before, we are a bit pecky. Well, well, can I fetch you something to eat? Oh, that would be smashing if you could. Well, what do you eat normally? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know what they're called, uh, but they're sort of pink wriggly things with arms and legs and everything. Oh, um, oh, prawns. <laughs> Could be prawns. Yeah, could be, could be prawns. Well, I don't have any prawns, I'm afraid. Uh, there's a Twix here. <laughs> and oh. a penguin. Oh, oh, I will have a Twix. All right, uh, how should I, uh, should I just sort of open the trap door and, and throw it in? Yeah. No, no, he can't, because... No. Oh, yeah, uh, oh, no, you mustn't open the trap door. <laughs> oh, all right, then. Good night. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, this is right. When I say, okay, so I'm saying don't open the trap door, right? But my remark is imbued with subtext. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I don't understand at all. Um, I tell you what, I'll go and fetch the innkeeper. I'm sure when he realises you're hungry down there, he'll let me open the trap door. No, 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 you can't do that. It doesn't work if you don't disobey a command. What? You, you have to open a trap door even though you've been told not to, otherwise we're not allowed to eat you, your Twix. What a peculiar system. <laughs> Whose idea was it? I don't know. I'm a creature from a neverworldly dimension, not a folklorist. <laughs> Let's say it was a wizard who had a real thing about manners. Unfortunately, I am unable to help you, I replied, because, you see, as an Englishman, I am physically incapable of breaking my word. <laughs> Sorry. The next morning, the neverworldly denizens of the fourth dimension and I had a lie-in. <laughs> but eventually, my host brought me tea, and I had a stern word with him. Look here, my man, I have a strong notion. But had I disobeyed you and opened that trapdoor, I might have come off the worse for it. What can I say, sir? You are quite right. But to you, sir, I take off my innkeeper's hat. Nobody before has spent three nights in this room and resisted opening the trapdoor. As a reward, would you like me to open it so you can see the fate that you have escaped? He bent down and took hold of the handle. No, really, said I, you mustn't open it just for my sake. Oh, it's no trouble. He said, putting open the door and... realising his mistake... <laughs> It was all over, all 
I could do was scoop up the remains of mine host into his own innkeeper's hat, place it on the reception desk with a nice little note, <laughs> get into my bicycle, start my engine, and cycle sadly away. Good night. John Finnamore's Souvenir Programme was written and performed by John Finnamore with Margaret K. Bourne smith Simon Kane, Laurie Lewin and Carrie Quinlan. Original music was by Susanna Pierce. and the producer was Ed Morrish. As part of our ongoing commitment to sustainable comedy, for every sketch harvested, four new premises are planted in Finland. Uh, John? Hi, I've got the Belgian Embassy on the phone. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, they're, they're saying you promised you'd say two nice things about Belgium and you still owe them one. No, I don't. I, I said the thing about novelists. Yeah. Yeah, and I just said they weren't one of the low countries. They don't think that really counts as a compliment. <laughs> Why not? Firstly, it's a bit lukewarm, and secondly, they are one of the low countries. <laughs> well, OK, can't I just say something quickly nice about Belgium now? They're rather hoping you will. Oh, OK. Um, Belgium is a really, really, really lovely place. Uh, I like the Belgian countryside. I like the Belgian race. The fact that I'm not Belgian is a personal disgrace. For Belgium, Belgium, Belgium is the best. Uh, how's that? They want to know if you're being sarcastic. No. <laughs> I'm not, honestly. I'm, I'm not. I, I genuinely really like the place. I, I, I really cannot tell you what a Belgian fan I am. I would sooner be in Brussels and Berlin or Amsterdam. I like my chips with mayonnaise. I love Jean-Claude Van Damme. For Belgium, Belgium, Belgium is the best. Belgium is quite honestly the greatest land on earth. We regard all time as wasted that's not spent on Belgian turf. We will celebrate the Belgians now for all that we are worth. For Belgium, Belgium, Belgium is the best. Any chance to visit Belgium I regard as heaven sent. Whoever Flanders or Wallonia, I am equally content. From the Rubens who's in Antwerp to the Gravenstein in Ghent. Oh, Belgium, Belgium, Belgium is the best. Every inch of Belgium's as bewitching as can be From Anders in the south right up to Ostend on the sea Okay, they messed up Africa, but God knows so did we Belgium, Belgium is the best Belgium could beat anyone in any kind of fight the armies of the globe would quail before the Belgian might. The Belgians soon will rule the world, and that is only right. For Belgium, Belgium, Belgium is the best. Behold the Belgian banners and beware the Belgian hordes. They are coming to subdue us with their massive Belgian swords. We must all bow down before them, our new Belgian overlords. For Belgium, Belgium, Belgium rules the world. I must admit I didn't know until I heard this song. The Belgian was so warlike, all their armies were so strong And so much power in Belgian hands is surely very wrong Belgium, Belgium, Belgium must be stopped! Belgium, be afraid, for we are coming for you soon Your reign of fear and blood must end this very afternoon We're determined to destroy you, be a Fleming or Walloon Oh, Belgium, Belgium, Belgium is the worst!
Okay, Ed, are they happy now? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> the BBC would like to profoundly apologise to the proud nation of Belgium for the cheap insults and casual racism to which it has been subjected throughout the past half hour. It would also like to point out something perhaps not realised by non-native English speakers, which is that it happens that the word Belgium, simply by the fact of beginning with a hard plosive B and ending with an unusual combination of J and M sounds, has a superficially comic sound to the Anglophone ear. <laughs> and that is the sole reason why lazy hack comedy writers, <laughs> such as Mr Finnamore, continue to reach for Belgium as a default funny country, <laughs> decades after Douglas Adams and Rowan Atkinson did it far better. <laughs> of course, if Mr Finnamore had the courage of his convictions, he would use the opportunity to attack the true source of evil in the world, which is, of course, in the official opinion of the BBC, the BBC. <laughs> Well, John and the team might be back at the same time next week. Meanwhile, the true source of all gossip in Ambridge has no idea what's coming after the news. Mr Waldo, thinking of a woman soft as Eve and sharp as sciatica to share his bread-pudding bed. Richard Burton and Sean Phillips, nearly asleep in the field of nanny goats who hum and gently butt the sun. She blows love on a puffball. He loves me, he loves me not. The 2003 recording of Dylan Thomas's Under Milk Wood. He loves on me. On BBC Radio 4. He loves me not. Available now on the BBC Radio 4 website. He loves me. The dirty old fool.